And welcome back to another episode of Black Law and Legalized, where I specialize in the law. I don't know what Dan specializes in. He's still trying to figure it out. You know, he's finding himself. Please follow the show across every social media platform at Black Law Podcast. You can follow me at I Tell Legalize on Twitter. You can follow Dan home if you want. He loves it when women follow paper brown him paper, him, think, paper bag test paper bag test paper bag test. All right, where can they find you? Let's see. Monday through Friday, oh, you can find me at Planet Fitness because it's only ten dollars a month. Mm. You can keep up with me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on Drugs, and of course, as Ann said, show across all platforms at Black Law <laughs> Podcast. I think I said that. You're right, and I okay, said as so, you said. Okay, man, Let's shut go. up. So today we have with us three guests, Sherry and Cherry Wilmore, also known as everybody's favorite twins. Yes, we are. And Imani Wright, also known as my little cousin. Yes. yes, That I love so much. No. I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, y'all. I'm trying to comb my hair so I can get on video. Wait, what? Wait, the show already started, man. We already record. What you talking okay, about? Okay, okay, <laughs> man, let, let it comb my hair. Let it comb my hair. Shit. Okay, the, mo- the more faces, the when better. You, when you want to come in with video, that'd be awesome. Okay. I superimpose some shit. Okay, so today our topic is going to be all over the place, actually. We are actually going to be talking about protests and whether or not peaceful protests actually work. We're also going to be talking about um, Black-on-Black crime and um, why Dan thinks Black-on-Black crime is basically it's a, racial a racist construct. construct. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, Agreed, Dan. 100%. So, all right. So in light of what's going on, basically what's been going on since we landed on Plymouth Rock and Plymouth Rock landed on us, Mm-hmm. Okay, Malcolm. The vilification. I'm saying the vilification, the objectification of black and brown people. And today we're talking about peaceful protest versus any other kind of protest and the effectiveness of it because we are seeing in cities across the United States are basically going up in flames. Let, let's just kind of get everyone's uh quick, quick hot take on what is currently going on because. Today, the day of recording is what, Friday? The protest started yesterday, uh, Thursday, and they are burning shit to the ground. As per every event like this, you'll have certain like subsets of black folks, because as I said, we are not monoliths. Some of them saying, um, yo, man, that's senseless burning down all that shit. Y'all destroying your community, jobs in your neighbor, man, fuck them jobs because they, they burning down what target. No, was, they weren't. See, that's the thing. I'm just, in, I'm in, just in, using that as an example. So that's what I have a problem with, but continue. Yeah. And again, like, like I said, there's subgroups of black people that have different problems with different things. The one thing we can all agree on is that something needs to be done about this. So we have tried the peaceful, the peaceful route. We've tried, uh, Get out there and vote. Get out there and vote. Like, that shit don't do nothing. Our elected officials are doing nothing. They 
have empty promises for the black community. So it's like for every action, there's a reaction. This is the reaction of the black men, black women being killed and there being no consequences. So basically, if I walk up to you, slap you in the face, I can't dictate what your response to that is going to be. So if they want to burn the shit down, burn the shit down. That's 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 my that's your take. take. That's yeah. your take. All right, twins, your take. Okay, so my take is this: as you know, people love to quote Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King told you that riots is the voice, is the reaction of the voice of the unheard. So it's not surprising when riots occur if you haven't listened or are willing to hear what someone has to say. However, I do, I am paused when I see us burning down things because when we did it in the 50s and the 60s, we destroyed our own communities. And a lot of those businesses, a lot of those um, strong storefronts were strongholds of the community. And in doing so, we weakened the Black community as a whole. And we have a tendency, for whatever reason, to destroy our own things instead of directing it in a place or in an area where it can bring um, true change. Burning out your own neighborhood isn't going to do anything because it's your neighborhood. And if you say that they don't care about you, how do you think that they're going to then care about your neighborhood getting rebuilt? So that's what I struggle at in regards to um, looting and rioting. I understand it because I get that if you tell you do me something, you can't then dictate how I respond to you. I do not believe in that. But then if you tell somebody who kneeling peacefully that they're doing it wrong, then I'm going to riot. And then they're not going to listen to you to say be peaceful because when you were peaceful, you was told that being the way you was being peaceful was incorrect. So I always battle with myself in that regard. What's your take, Sherry? I, I don't like the verbiage I use. Why are we saying riots? Are they riots? What are they? I, I mean, I'm just asking, are they riots? Well, what are they? Just property damage. I like that. Let's go with that. <laughs> minor, minor vandalism. It's property damage. At the end of the day, it's property damage. Because I, I want people to realize that the verbiage that people use dictate their response. And we all know this, right? If the late, like, for example, a woman in Central Park, what did she say? A black man, a black African American is attacking threatening, threatening, threatening me, right? And, and my dog, that's what. And it's a verbiage that you use dictate how people see something. If you tell a story, the words in which you use dictate people response. If I tell you, hey, you know, there was some property damage at my business. There was some property damage. If I say, you know, there was a riot, that gets a different feeling. It gets a different emotion. And we have to be very cautious on how we how we word the things that happened in our community. Others can dictate it, but how do you do it and how do you word it? Because when those when people went marching in the same Minneapolis city that you see now on fire because they didn't want to stay at home because the virus was out, no one said that they was rioting and they had gone that they carried into the state capitol. So in they? the very same city. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what did they say? They said they were just they, they just they just they mm-hmm. just want to get back to work. They're just people, they're just people, average people who just want to get back to work. So what do you call the people? There are average people who are just tired of right. being sick. Even Jesus flipped over a table in the Bible. <laughs> I think I think people keep forgetting that. Jesus walked in that church True. and people were sick and taxes and he flipped it all over. If Jesus get mad, right. you don't think other people get mad? 
So what are you doing? So what are you doing in Minneapolis? They're average people. They are average people flipping over tables like Jesus. They just sick and tired. They just tired. And and let me tell you something. Most of this wouldn't have happened had Minneapolis officials had acted sooner. If I kneel on somebody's back and they die, I don't have to wait four days for people to decide whether or not I committed a crime. Well, no, that's because you're. But but that's because we're talking you. And personally, you're a black person. Had a black person done that, you would have been in jail that night. And then they would have tried to figure out whether or not you committed a crime. It didn't take that long for them to arrest <clears throat> the black Somalian who accidentally shot a, a, a wealthy white shot woman. The, the in white woman, city. correct. It didn't take them that long. I think correct. if you if you heard people talk, people were frustrated. And I want you to be very careful when we say we burned down our community. We didn't burn down our community. I watched a cleaning live that night and there was a white man and some white men who broke the windows out of AutoZone who didn't put wood up and set it fire. And allegedly the white man with the mask is an undercover police officer. We have to be very conscious of when we say we burned down our community because most people was marching. Are you sure we set that police station on fire? Because I didn't see black people set it on fire. So well, I'm not going to say... What I can say is that in Every mass protest, when there's a mob, there's always outside agitators. Yes. To just piggyback and springboard off of what Cherry was saying, every large protest, there's always somebody outside of that group that is looking to basically vilify. Like I said at the top of the show, we are vilified in everything that you do. And I'm glad you brought up these people who marched into the state capitol with guns, they were spitting on police officers. Nobody died. Nobody got shot. And I think about if that same amount of Black people would have walked into the capitol with guns strapped on their back and spit on police officers, most of them probably would have died in the state capitol. Did y'all see his face during, while he had his uh, knee on uh, Mr. Floyd's neck. I didn't watch the video for my own mental well-being. We had Brian. I, I I could not watch another black person die. We had the guy this week who jumped into the bayou, jumped into the pond to run across. I just couldn't see another black person lose their life this week. So Wait, I, what I happened with the bayou? I'm I'm right. not aware I'm, of that. Okay, can I say something? I'm so happy we speaking on this bayou thing because um I let everybody speak, but when I speak on my personal experience Uh-oh. on it, that's going to tie into like my thoughts about what black people we should do for each other. So please go okay, on so, about the con story. Okay. So um, earlier this week, a black guy had just recently graduated was on his way to um, a full ride scholarship to D1 university. Him and his friends were outside. His friends decided to bet him to swim across a pond. You can tell he was very much being pressured and he didn't want to do it. And he didn't want to do it because he was being pressured. And I guess he felt it was wouldn't be man of him to turn down the pressure. He went and he attempted to swim across the bayou. He drowns. You literally watch him drown to death trying to so, swim. So nobody jumped in. Nobody no. jumped in the same. You see him flaring his arms and then the phone drops. Now, apparently, according to other people who were present, his friends do like start taking on their clothes to jump in to try to save him by that point they would never got there in time so then you watch another 35 minutes of first responders trying to drag a pond to find his body but where did it happen if i'm not mistaken in mississippi yeah i can't remember exactly but i know it it didn't get much exposure because so much happened this week we got brianna ahmad 
So it just was a lot of things happening. And it, it right. just was just thin when every day. I want to get uh, Imani's thoughts on what is going on. But I literally forgot what I was about to say. Oh, geez. <laughs> However, I'm going to I'm going to wing it here. All right. So the the cops in that case were charged today. I, I guess it was announced they're charged today. Only with one. Third, only no. Only right, one. Right. The, the main one. Um, mm-hmm. charged with third degree murder. And now for for those that aren't really familiar with the different degrees of murder, could you provide any insight as to what's the difference? In in Louisiana, we don't technically have like first, second, and third degree like most other states. But in the state of, well, in the state of Minnesota, third degree murder is basically the praise and difference or so. So basically you did something, not that you intended, but you did something that a reasonable person would say that it would lead to your death. So you so accidentally killed somebody. What, right. Manslaughter, manslaughter is basically your negligent action. Right. Caused somebody to die. That both of them, both of them has no um, intent factor. So that's the reason why they went with third degree. But there was clear intent. Right. The coroner's report said that there was no signs of asphyxiation that they can tell, but that he had underlying um, morbidity. So he had high blood pressure and apparently he had some sort of um, alcohol or drugs in his system. That That is what the coroner's report said. Mm-hmm. But that is not the reason why they are saying third degree. They start, they, the thing is, they had to do something. They had to move. Okay. Because they knew that if they did not move, that the city would go burn to the ground with, with the way things were going. So they needed to make a move. And the easiest thing for them to do was to say, we're going to take him in and third degree and manslaughter. That does not mean that those are the final charges. Absolutely. They can, this can escalate. And the reason why it's going to escalate because in that same report, apparently they, and I'm saying they, because if y'all saw the other video that came out, three of them sat on this man. So And not only did they sit on him, they sat on him at some point, realized that he was unresponsive, checked his pulse, did not find that there was a pulse, but nobody tried to administer any sort of life saving anything. But so, so what can, the report says Can the is, medics be implicated as well? Well, I think at the point where EMT showed up, he was already dead. They didn't they didn't administer try to administer life saving um anything because there was no saving him. Because realize if you if you read the report or from what I've heard about the report, it says that they sat on this man for almost nine minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three, three, almost three minutes, like two hours. I mean, two minutes and 53 seconds of which he was unresponsive. So that's why I said look for more charges, because sure, you may not have intended to kill mm-hmm. this man in this six minute time span, but at the point where he is no longer responsive and you still spend two, almost three more minutes sitting on top of his, not only his neck, you're compressing his chest mm-hmm. and everything else. At the point that you do that, you intend and you know that he is unresponsive and you don't react to that. That's your intent. So watch for it. It's going to move up. Let's get okay. uh, Imani in on this conversation. So what are hey, what are your thoughts? 
I have a lot of um, thoughts on what is going on. Mind you, you know, they say the future is through the eyes of our children. So I was really young, maybe 16, 15, when the Trayvon Martin thing happened. I'm happy my cousin spoke on a lot of these laws because when the Trayvon Martin thing happened, we were outraged. But that prosecution team did change his charges from first degree to child abuse. So when we speak about like the results we get from our movements, when we speak about the results we get in justice, we must know that we have to be thorough from the cop all the way down to the people who are fighting for our justice, whether that be the lawyers, whether that be the mm -hmm. prosecution team, whether that's the jurors and the judge. So when you realize that the system is broken all the way down to that core, it makes a young person like me say, maybe I don't necessarily want to be a part of the movement because in a sense, it's just like, okay, we have a lot of outrage. We know that the white people can go and riot for the beach and then we'll be protected, but we know that black lives are not treated in the same regard. This is things I've learned and conditioning throughout my lifehood. When I went to high school, if the white girls wore white high shorts, it was okay. But if the thick black girls with the thick thighs wore those shorts, you were going to end school suspension. You were getting written up for dress code. It's never been a time that although black people and white people operate the same space, we can move the same way. Now we must mitigate because although we have these technicalities, is no way ever should a cop have me in handcuffs already and he's still on top of my body. Put me in the car, reprehend me, arrest me, do what you have to do. But when it comes to the way even our people are arrested, there needs to be a standard of procedure. There needs to be a law that if they are not doing their job, all of that monkey shine we are arresting me is not necessary. Put right, me, in, you know, put me in the car and let's move on. When you have a president that says, don't be so gentle with them, bang their heads against the, the, the doors when you're mm -hmm. putting them inside the car, that's your procedure. I mean, what? Wait, what? The, but the problem with that, though, is just because you're being arrested. Now, I can speak from experience. Mm -hmm. Just because you are being arrested does not mean you are guilty or have even committed any crime. So him okay. saying rough these people up as you're you arresting you, you, you're guilty you until you're proven innocent. You have the right to remain silent. That's it. If you're you, black. So you I mean, you run the risk of basically let's let's take the counterfeit. But whatever the fuck they're trying to say, because first it was like a check, then it's a counterfeit it 20, a counterfeit bill. 10. Mm -hmm. Let, let's just mm -hmm. set that aside and say he had nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. He was literally just walking out the store and they apprehended him. Mm -hmm. He was presumed guilty mm -hmm. and they roughed him up, as, as our commander in chief says, mm -hmm. and they killed this man. And again, let's say he had nothing to do with mm -hmm. whatever, whatever the crime was. Mm -hmm. You just killed an innocent man. So that that type of rhetoric from our president, not only is that dangerous, that's I mean, we let's go back to the top where cities are burning now. Mm -hmm. Right. But but we know it's dangerous. And the thing is, we've known since 2016 mm -hmm. that this man is dangerous. Every word that comes out of his mouth is subversive. This is what I mean when I say this, y'all. It's just like as a young person seeing the Black Lives Matter movement, seeing what happened, like seeing it be formed, being it was my generation on Twitter tweeting, seeing that we have gotten no progress in four years, seeing that every time we go out there with our emotions, they're going to call us a thug, seeing that many people who protest end up blacklisted, can't get jobs, end up dead, FBI stalking them. 
it -hmm. comes a way that as black people, we have to really say, okay, we know this is how we going to get treated already. If we do this, it's sad to say, but you know, my family members, when I was going to Howard in 2016, I lived in Baton Rouge, had an apartment in my name. They told me, do not go out there and fight with the Elton Sterling thing because if you get arrested, something happened to you, you will never make it to DC. You don't know what's going to happen to mm-hmm. you when you get even in the police present when they take you because you protest and you know we're from a racist state. My grandfather went to a segregated school. My mom went to a segregated prom. So again, when we speak about time and change, like the 50 man mark, that was 50 years ago, a lot of the things Martin Luther King and them were doing. Like, so when it talks about time and black people, we are progressing. We are getting somewhere with some things, but with some things, it's gonna be a lot of resistance because those people are still alive. These racist people, they still are operating our space. So my question is for the older people, because I'm sure I'm saying this, but y'all have probably seen y'all grandparents march. Y'all have probably seen y'all parents march. So it's for me as a young person, do I go out there and march? Do we keep marching? Do we keep rioting? Do we keep looting? Or do we try to really go to the political people who write these laws? What do we do? Like, as like I'm confused because I see the rioting and stuff getting us nowhere. Since no, we do we do both. No, we do both. We see, and that's the thing. It's not it's not a single approach. Okay. It's not it's not just one thing. Because we as a people, even though we are doing different things, we're all doing it for the same purpose. You know, mm-hmm. Dr. King marched mm-hmm. peacefully. Malcolm mm-hmm. X said, "By any means necessary," but right. they all had one common goal. We do it all. We protest as mm-hmm. as. Sherry would tell, tell, we are not rioting. We are vandalizing property. Right. Another right? thing we can do, too, though, is for those of us who, uh, like you said, you, your people said, don't go out there and march just just in case you get arrested, whatever the case may be. Right. If you can't get out there and march, like I'm one of the people that I can't get out there and march because I take crazy meds and sometimes I'm crazy. But mm-hmm. no, nah, that's beside the point. Um. You can also march with your money. You can put your money where your mouth is. I live in a community, Vashley, well, I'm from a community, Vashley, Louisiana, where we still have a segregated pool. The Black children in our community don't have a pool. So when I watch this young boy drown in a pond, and I can go to Jamaica, because I went to Houston in the summer with my grandmother, I know how to swim. I can swim in 30 feet. I can swim in the river. I can jump off the cliff. But it's many kids in Louisiana who don't even have simple rights, like I can go swim. I can go do this. I can go do that. So what I'm saying is I feel like a lot of us, we, we, the people who can do something like real change in your community, because mind you, nobody where I'm from is really a part of a black movement marching. Like where would our people in my little small town even march at? We have to do something really productive for the kids who want to grow up because the only reason I believe I turned out how I am today is because of the things that was done in my community, the freedom school camps the summer school camps, the river school camps, the science academies, those things to me was more impactful to me than a lot of the other things being done, showing the kids outrage, making the kids see trauma already. And they are embracing that as this, they're taking this as their reality. And that for me is something that's hard because again, I'm telling y'all, I have been watching this on Twitter for the past at least eight years every day and seeing the follow-up of activists getting killed, activists, FBI, all of this stuff, y'all. It's scary. It's scary when it's like, instead of us four years later saying we gotten somewhere, it's like, 
we starting all over yeah. and we right where we was back when this stuff happened. That scares and- me because when you work hard in your personal life and your friend's life to get to a greater cause and then you wake up one day and you see the news of all of these black bodies and all this blood being shed, it kind of makes you feel like it's nothing you could do as a black person to achieve. So it's kind of like, it's, it's really hard for me to really even put it into words as a young person, because you can take it in so many different ways. Like you could take it and try to empower yourself. You could take it and kind of feel down. Like how long more can we fight for this? Or are we doing something wrong? Like what, I don't know y'all. It's very, like y'all can probably see and hear my voice. It's very emotional for me because I hate to see it, but it's just like, y'all, what can we do? Because even when we fight, we already know how we are. We already have an ascribed status. When we are born as black people, this is how we are seen. Mm-hmm. So we know when we go out into the world and react, no matter what, this is what they will say. And this is how they will treat us because of it. So then what do we do after that? Because I've seen so many protests, riots, and all of them turn out the same way against black people. So now y'all, what do we do for real? Do we keep letting them kill us at the rise? They get in the damn march. They're talking about martial law and sending people with troop gear against our people because somebody killed us. Do we keep dealing with that? Like, that's what I want to know for everybody. Like, especially the older people, because y'all seen it longer than I've seen. Wait, time out. Let me tell you something. You gonna stop saying older people, man. You try to act like we old. Nobody on here old, man. I mean. I mean, no, you man, is kind of old. Y'all but. have seen more than us. Y'all could be looking at me like, girl, you young, you privileged. You ain't seen half the things I've seen. No, you that's actually a good thing, grandma. though, because you're you're a fresh set of eyes. We like, yeah. oh, I'm not sure how old everyone is, but we've seen this shit for quite some time. And to have a new, you know, a new set of eyes look at it from a different perspective, because generationally we're not. Well, I'm, I'm speaking for myself in my age group. I'm nowhere near the same as my parents age group as far as how we came up just generational shit. So I look at things different and therefore I can only assume that your generation looks at things different as well. And that's what we need because there's been so many problems just solved in this country by fresh, young, new minds. Like you look at the tech boom, look at look at social media, uh, Twitter's the Facebook like Mark Zuckerberg was in his fucking dorm room when he did that shit, changed the world with it. So right. young people are, they are an asset. They mm-hmm. they are 100% an asset. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. I'm going to be 36. So we're going to be 36 on Tuesday. But I will say, Ooh. I think what you do in your community is, it's something Cher and I did. I, I would tell this to anybody, anyone. We were the people who everybody always asks us every year who you voting for, why you voting for the people. Because a lot of people in our community, for, for whatever reason, are not as informed on who to vote for in for levels of government, for level of government. They're not engaged. And who we put in office is also very important. Because whoever your is your is your is your attorney general, that's mm-hmm. going to determine who's going to charge these police officers. This year, we decided that we not, I'm not going to sit there and tell you who I who I vote for and why I'm voting for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We went around and we asked everyone who was running for office to we end up to interview them mm-hmm. and we asked them questions that was one for the community that in our community in which we live in and and some of the, and the questions were also about black black issues and concerns. And we interviewed the sheriff. So this is our, this is so this is what happened in our community with these incidents. What would you do better? 
So you mm-hmm. have to ask people who run in questions that pertain to your communities, that affect the communities, and, and then, then hold them accountable. So now our job is, okay, I recorded you for about 45 minutes to two hours, but you got a 30-minute video up on my page. But I have the original content. Now, if something happens, I need to go back. And you said this, this, and this to our community on this date. So I need you to be accountable for your actions. So now you have yeah. to hold people accountable for the things that they say, and not just because they came to your community because they was running for office in this morning King day and they need your black vote. I sometimes I even misspeak when I say I'm not with the movement. And I really mean in the bottom of my heart that I do not want to just be on a front street of protests like that. But my question, one of my first question is, do y'all think with this, we should kind of go back to the original ways of being, like what the Black Panther Party was originally for, just like the programs I had, pouring into the kids, going back to educating your people, just like what y'all are doing. Um, should we go back to that or should we really stick with the rioting, the protests and the, the stuff? What do y'all do feel like, like, honestly... Everybody, what do y'all feel like we should really do? Because I'm down with whatever that's going to work for us. But I I want us to know, like, it's so many different causes and so many people have specific needs when it comes to the Black community. What should we do? Because a lot of our needs aren't met outside of just police brutality. We going through coronavirus right now and mostly Black people get into the hospital and dying. It's a lot of problems that we as Black people face. So what should we do? I think different people should do different things because we're all we all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. We're all good. I might be great at something that Ann sucks at, which Mm -hmm. is often the case. I might be bad at something that Cherry and Sherry are actually really good at. So play to your strengths. That's the first thing. And we all know what those are. We all know from I, I would even go go as far as let's say childhood. Mm-hmm. You know what your natural inclinations are. So you know if yeah. you're good at at being an, an orator, a uh, public speaker. You know if you're good at orga- organizing, like um, President Barack Obama, community organizer. So whatever your strengths are, play to those. And I mean, and everyone has strengths. That's exactly why when Imani initially said what she said, I said it's not one approach. It's yeah. a mul- it's a multi prong approach, mm-hmm. and I one hundred percent agree with what Dan just said. Mm-hmm. Everybody has something that they can do. Everybody has a role that they can play. We all do. Your role is not might not be marching, but mm-hmm. you just graduated with a degree, mm-hmm. and your degree is going to lead to you meeting people. Mm-hmm. And What's your degree you may- in chemical engineering. No, oh, this is my second question. Because y'all know the government always has something up their sleeves. Mm. I feel like I'm being recorded. I'm going to speak lightly. Do you feel like our people should be out rioting during a pandemic, which is coronavirus? Mm. Knowing when we get to the hospital, we are getting the least help and dying the most. See, uh, the, see Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Because... Okay. Good. You know, I, I, I fall back once again on what Brother Malcolm said, by any means necessary. And okay. the problem is that the issue is, I think Sherry, Sherry may have spoken to this. You know, I put something up mm-hmm. on my Facebook page today and I talked about inequality. You know, mm-hmm. we have pay inequality. We also have health inequality. So, yeah. yeah, these people, these people are marching and yeah, they may get sick, but 
The issue is the same health care that a suburbanite is going to get should be the same health care that I receive just because I should have access to that. So that is actually, in my head, one of the reasons why they are protesting because we are tired. And you said it, you're tired of seeing it. I'm tired of seeing it. For as long as I have been cognizant of this, we've never gotten a fair shake. It's it's never been a situation where, and then everybody, and I've said this before, when Barack Obama became president of the United States, Mm -hmm. everything you heard was, okay, now y'all can't say that America is racist. Guess what? America, during his time, they were extra racist. Yeah. I can name one time that we did get a fair shake. And then I, what I want to do is I want to toss the whole black on black crime thing in here. But okay. um, the one time that we got a fair shake was shout to uh, brother Orintho James Simpson. For real? <laughs> we oh, got you, a you fair gonna, shake you gonna that, that time. You gonna throw that again? Yeah. Well, that, so that is true. What, what I want to do is uh, you and I had a discussion briefly today about the the whole like every time. We're out here doing these protests for whatever, whatever the case may be at that time. You'll hear a certain segment of America say, well, what about black on black crime? What about what about Chicago? What about this and that black on black crime is it's a it's a racist ideology within itself, because essentially what it is, is it's proximity crime. So if you take one, let's say you have a 100 percent black neighborhood in a 100% white neighborhood. Let's take one black family out of the uh, black neighborhood, move them over to the white neighborhood, and then they become victims of crime. So are we going to start labeling those hate crimes? Because is crime just happens by whoever's, whoever's around. And I'm a former criminal. Like whenever I would go out to steal things, items, stuff from people, it would be in my own damn neighborhood. (laughs) What which happened no, to be a black li- neighbor? You just liberated some merchandise. Th- there we go. I freed I freed the merchandise. So, uh, Cherry and nah, Sherry. No, not for you. Not for you. We're not gonna reword your history. Oh, come on <laughs> now. Come on. I, I, I ain't never stole nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so thoughts on I, I that? I don't believe in black crime. I do not believe on do not believe in black on black crime. Um, as you said, you know, people kill who you around. If you're around black people, you're more likely to get killed by a black person. If you're around black people, you're more likely to get robbed by a black person. Same thing with white people, same thing with Latino people. The difference is that we do have a smaller percentage of black people in America. When crime occurs in our communities, it seems more because we're only 14% of the population. I think last time it was at 14. It was holding at 14 still. And they're what, 60-something percent Uh of the population? So, of course, when they commit crimes, their statistics and their percentages and their data is smaller because their population is larger. Um, I don't understand it because, to me, we don't, when they have serious um, killers, serial killings, mm-hmm. um, and mass murders. You don't hear much about white on white crime, or when it's thrown back, it doesn't have the same um effect. So I don't believe in that construct, nor do I um subject myself to it. And when people ask me, I ask them about white on white crime. I'm not gonna tell y'all nothing about no black on black crime. Those were uh, lone wolves who did things without our permission. <laughs> 
I don't know those people. They were long wheelchairs. Yes, and they had mental disorders. <laughs> you have to have a mental disorder to harm your own people. <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, black on black crime. Okay, so I just got dragged upon this. I just got dragged, y'all. I just got Uh-oh. dragged myself. So now I'm going to speak from a different place of my newfound realization. When it comes to black on black crime, especially dealing with the black men, we have to just realize and humble ourselves and not even be anti-black when we see the person that commit the crime against us. We really have to just say, this person did this to me. And you kind of really got to minimize yourself because it's just so crazy how the system is that even if someone commits a crime against you, you would have to use a force against them, which is the police, to come and get them. And you don't want to be that person that makes somebody else have to go through brutality. So it's it's hard because it's just like, uh, but it's something that we have to deal with. Whatever, whatever community you live in, you may have to experience, see, or deal with Black-on-Black crime. Hopefully, you just can deal with it in a good way. That's something I learned. Who about. told you? If somebody do you something, mind you better call the police on them. Don't you? Don't you talk about? I can't call the police on them because That's I don't want. I am anti-black for calling the police on a black teenager. So I don't. I can't do it no more. Yeah. I'm not anti-black. You was. You was anti-crime. No, I don't. I'm not. Uh-uh. That's a difference. That this is a difference. Now we have to pick when we choose that we have to be cautious of when we call the police on our brothers and sisters. But if someone has committed a crime against you, then you call the police. That does not make you anti-black. Now you see this now. This is when people take things too far because at the end of the day, there are some crimes that there's no such thing as black on black crime. There's this crime. But mm-hmm. I do believe that in our communities ourselves, there we have to do we have to do better as a community in whole mm-hmm. and taking care of ourselves. And being yeah. more conscious of what we do to each other. Those, Absolutely. That is, no matter what happens with a, with a police officer and the interaction between a black man or a black woman, we have to be also be held accountable for our actions against each other. I grew up in a life where I was the one that was getting the police called on me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I had a troubled childhood, teenage years or, or whatever. And, you know, there's that whole street code, whole stop snitching, this, that, and the other. As a grown-ass man, nigga, I will call the police on you in a heartbeat. And if you look like you're doing something wrong, I'm going to call the police on you. I I don't care. I don't think that's anti-black for calling the police on one of your people. Right. If you're doing something wrong. If you're doing something wrong. Now, the the, the issue for me is... Shit, if you look suspicious... See, and that's the problem. That is the problem. Black people. Well, oh, wait, wait, because I know, wait, I know wait, where you're no. going. I know where you're going. But suspicious to me is not suspicious, suspicious to a white person. Mm-hmm. No, you think black people suspicious all the time. What I think you doing you're in suspicious. my neighborhood. Yeah, I think you're I'm suspicious. I'm, no, this is what I want to say, though, for real. This is what I want to say. When it comes to black crime, the way we have to, outside of my personal feelings of personal things I've been through, what it made me realize we need to work on the systems that make people commit crime. We know where that's poverty, there is more crime. People still because they don't have. We know the kids really don't have any recreation like what we had when we were younger. No Mm -hmm. summer camps, no river camp, no 4-H camp. All of that stuff is very important to these kids. Uh, I don't mind is the devil's playground. That's a part of that multi-pronged approach. You know, when when, when I said earlier about all these inequalities. We have these economic inequalities. You're absolutely right. But we we said at the top of the show, we talked about 
how you know I call I call it living while black because mm-hmm. we are automatically considered suspicious regardless mm-hmm. we're we're yeah. we're guilty until proven innocent and when you talk about not calling the police most of the time in in most neighborhoods especially in neighborhoods where poverty you know most people are below the poverty line mm-hmm. they don't trust the police mm-hmm. you know so they are not they are not for the most part, going to call the police and tell the police anything about They're what's going take on. Take it upon themselves. So Correct. that means if you come and rob from me, or if you come mm-hmm. and do something to me, mm-hmm. touch my child or anything, mm-hmm. I'm not going to call the police. I'm going to come see you. That's and correct. that's then it just creates more problems within each other because it's looked at as black on black crime, but it's really us taking care of our issues without law enforcement enforcement that's correct that's because how we, we handle a lot of our problems as black people we don't and include police in a lot of our problems we take a lot of things to the streets we handle mm-hmm. a lot of our problems and situations amongst ourselves so right. that just made me realizing and talking to y'all just now when we talk about black or black crime we do have to remember we are very militant people and we do handle things amongst ourselves most of the time we handle things within our families most of the times we have problems mm-hmm. in our families we hand, even people have marital problems for years that the family will ne- never even know. As, as Black people, we normally keep most things in, in-house. Our problems, our struggles, and even our crimes. We can't trust a society that does not see us for us. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, how, can you, how can I go to the police officer who a month ago, or not even a month ago, a week ago, or, and the week before that, and the week before that, and the week before that, they're constantly harassing me. I'm constantly being stopped and asked questions and said, oh, you know, today's your lucky day or this and that. How can I then, if something happens to me, how can I then call that police officer to try to get some kind of action from them? I don't Mm -hmm. trust you because you are constantly harassing me. So Mm -hmm. you're right. We, That's, we, um, let me, let me jump in real quick because Ken, Kenneth Walker, right? The, the, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, who um, all charges got dropped. He Mm -hmm. still has to live in that. Well, he doesn't have to, but I'm pretty sure he still has to live in Louisville. All those police officers will know exactly who he is. Exactly. Exactly. So the moment, the day he picks up the phone, 911, someone's trying to rob me. Someone's trying to whatever. Mm -hmm. Mistaken identity. We thought you we thought you were the uh, criminal. Correct. Absolutely right. So like that, that is the thing. Inherently, black people do not trust authority. Mm-hmm. They do not trust police officers because we, we saw, look at, look at George Floyd, the people that we, that are paid to protect and serve, don't protect and serve us. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. So that whole black on black crime thing for mm-hmm. me, as Dan said, it is a racist construct because it's not us killing each other. Mm-hmm. It is situational. Mm-hmm. And as I think Cherry said, and it, or it might have been Sherry, when you have these serial killers out here killing white people, you know, just picking them off, you people rarely dwell on that. You don't, yeah. you know, you don't see that. You don't see that. So, well, one of the things I like to see, and I mean, this has been a dope conversation, really. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, growing up, um, let's say a person I know in a neighborhood I grew up in mm-hmm. when they would rob people there, there were rules. The rules were 
and and it's like no matter no matter where you go, no matter what state, whatever, what city, no senior citizens, mm-hmm. n- and don't fuck with no babies. Don't mess with any children. Don't mess with any old people. Everybody mm-hmm. else in between that is fair game. I would love to see that whole thing just. But what about the women? And many a time when the cops him him the black men up, and for all of the stuff that y'all. No, 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 I'm not going to get emotional. As some black men do and put themselves in some situations, it's the black women on the forefront. When they locked all those black panther men up and got them all strung up on drugs, it was the women who had to stick and hold that movement together. So a lot of times my issue really is that a lot of times the women really do be subject to crime and stuff. And I I don't feel like the women should be subjected to that. I understand the old people and the kids. But who is taking care of the old people and the kids? The women. The Absolutely. men are supposed to go out and work and provide for the family. The women take care of everybody. So is at some point the black people, we have to get a, a better structure too, like back to our community, back to our roots when we really had structure in our communities. That's all I'm saying too. Because as a young black woman, I'm 24. I have a chemical engineering degree. A lot of the starting jobs starts with six figures. A lot of the people I went to elementary school with the young black men have GEDs, don't have nothing. I would be fighting for them. And in their code, they saying, she got money. She makes six figures. We could rob her. It's she free game. But I am supposed to be the one out there fighting for the cause. What do you think about that? Where does never, that put our women? It, it, it does place them in danger. I mean, but it places them in the same danger. And I'm talking lifetimes ago. Mm-hmm. But... um. Because I'm one of those brothers with a GED. I'm I'm an eighth grade dropout. So it's like, yeah, uh, we do put our women in precarious, um, precarious situations. But the men are also placed in those same situations. So it's like, I guess, in a sense, they're viewed as equal targets as long as long as you're not old and as long as you're not young. And then, of course, there's the. Oh, well, that's that's so and so's mama. We ain't going to fuck with her. But and, and that's, you know, that's my homeboy's sister right there. We ain't going it it, it kind of gets um gets into that uh real granular. But at the same time, I I would like to of course sans uh saying, "Hey, no crime. Let's not do any crime." I would like to see that rule be extended to no crime against your own people. That 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 would make more sense to me. I mean, like I said, mm-hmm. senior citizens, children, they're off limits. You will die fucking with um either or. Okay. But I, I would love to see that extended to nobody that looks like you. So the whole thing with like crime, crime by proximity. Mm-hmm. Yo, you want to go rob? You want to go steal some shit? Go a couple neighborhoods over. Mm-hmm. Shit, they got more than you anyway. Hey, no, but just, if you think about it, for the most part, they do. I mean, it. it they throw out that whole black on black crime thing, but mm-hmm. honestly, the the most heinous to me black on black crime that, that we have going on mm-hmm. is pushing. You know, we push drugs to our own people, but when you are robbing somebody, you know yourself they are going into the neighborhoods of the people that have something that they want. Not for, for the, the most person, for the most part, the person I knew. <laughs> did not the person i knew would catch the the people coming home from their mcdonald's jobs like i said we're talking teenagers you know oh shit it's friday it's payday homeboy got about 150 dollars in his pocket run them pockets 
So, you know, that's that's basically how it went. It was, and you know that he would not call the police on you, depending on who you are, because he's effectively uh, like like we said earlier, putting his family in jeopardy or his loved ones in jeopardy. If um, Ray Ray want to rob you, take your hundred and fifty dollars you made at McDonald's. You just left a ca- check cashing spot. Now, yeah, you pick up the phone and call 911. And mm-hmm. that that is what you should do. But at the same time, y'all live in the same neighborhood. We know who your mama is. We know who your little little brother is. Like I said, children are off limit. But, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. let's let's be real. You're placing your family in danger. So the likeliness of you calling the police that's on the toxic part of the community that I can't get with, because a lot absolutely. of time, these are the people that are coddled the most in the community. And honestly, and truly speaking, that as Black people, we all work so hard for the things that we have. And to know that, yes, it's wrong, but Ray Ray going to rob me and I can't do shit because he going to then potentially hurt me more, hurt me and my family. Right. And it's just, that's the mentality that make a lot of people that do get money as Black people, the first thing they do is pack their stuff up and move to a better community. And then that community that has all of the Ray Rays are left to be a desert because people who work hard for what they have, they do not want to just give it up and live like that. And I feel feel that because I don't want to call the cops on all the black boys, but best believe I'm not going to just sit and let them take everything I have. True, but then, but then you know, but you know that whole black flight thing. Mm-hmm. That whole move out of the neighborhood into mm-hmm. a better neighborhood. Mm-hmm. In that neighborhood, you are you're gonna deal with racism. You, you're stigmatized still, right? Like you are you are in this neighborhood and you run the risk of rolling down the street and mm-hmm. having a cop stop you asking you what you're doing in this neighborhood. And Not if you this- have if you have a nice car, mm-hmm. what do you do? What what do you do, what, what, what you do in order to have this nice to have this nice car. So, you know, that's the thing. We, what I it's find like you is, can't really, we can't go, go ahead, Yan, But see, y'all see how me as a young person, it makes me feel like you can't win for losing. Because right. it's like, you get in this community, you wrong your people. Somebody might not have as much as you have. You bring a new Mercedes home, it's who she thinks she is. She thinks she's better than us. You get robbed, it's, oh, you deserve that. You know what's going on in this community. You better not call the cops on me because I'm coming mm-hmm. for your family. You move to another community where you don't have to get robbed no more, but there's so many white people around you. They looking at you like, how could she afford this house in my community? Why is she here? Whatever. You got the homeowners protection people asking, waiting on you to do anything wrong to kick you out. It's what? just like, Lord, you can't wait for, 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 I'm getting emotional stuttering y'all. No, I just move to the country? Like I can't deal with America. Like it's just crazy to be a black person. Because it's like, I understand what Dan is saying with the crime. I understand it's evident. It's nothing we can do about it. And you're right. You know what can happen to you if you do call a cop so you do take actions against yourself. But understand that. That's what I mean when I say the movement. Like, we fighting for our rights against the white people, but you can also be living in your community and not be safe every day. And something could literally happen to you. And I have this man telling me, like, that's in the cold. They can do something to you. It's no code against them doing nothing to you. But as a black woman, if he do something else to another white woman and then something happened to her, a white person, and something happened to him, then you better go your ass out there and march for him too. It's right. too much. We have now, to learn like something something else needs to be done. Like 
navigating in America as a black person is extremely difficult it's and complex. It's complex. I'm going to really? speak to two things. One is okay. the type of person that I knew that mm -hmm. did rob people and, and commit petty crimes in, in mm -hmm. his neighborhood. He was created. He was a product of his environment because had right. he not become that person that went out robbing and, and doing whatever else mm -hmm. he allegedly did. He back home we we got a saying you food so it's either you're gonna be food or you're gonna be out here eating so right. if I have to choose I would rather not be coming home from McDonald's with my hundred dollar two hundred dollar paycheck getting robbed trying to find and and we would see that too people living in our same neighborhood trying to find alternate ways to get home mm -hmm. we didn't have Uber no one could afford taxi cabs yeah, was niggas was walking yeah. and the other thing I can speak to is black flight mm -hmm. i left the hood i straight up as soon as i was able to i left the hood uh, a lot of the people i grew mm -hmm. up with they they don't not openly but they do resent me for it because mm -hmm. they're still back in the same like i'm in my 30s mm -hmm. these niggas still back in the same neighborhood that i'm talking about yeah. since like the 90s and like yo i left i don't go back and i don't feel like i owe them a damn thing and, and, and that's don't. But and that's the thing. They look at me like, oh, you know, you you were able to. You owe me because you got out. Yeah, you because got out. You bettered yourself. So, yo, you know, why don't you uh, turn around, look out for a brother? Hell no, I don't owe you a goddamn thing. Let me stop you right there. You, that's a yes and no, because we do owe our neighborhood something. Because regardless of what you did, the environment that you are in, mm -hmm. your neighborhood Allegedly. taught you something. Mm -hmm. Your neighborhood taught you something it taught you what not to be or what you did not want to be and yeah you got out but the problem is when that you know i mentioned the black flight we do forget about the people that we leave behind we try to distance ourselves so much from these people that we know that we can help that's the thing because we've been where they are and who better to list who who would they listen to more somebody who has nope. not been in their struggle i'm going to disagree off the top with you because no. no this is why i'm going to disagree with you right here how many rappers how many athletes how many entertainers go back to their neighborhoods to get back get look Nip, nipsey hustle mm -hmm. you fucking get killed if you go back yeah i feel like if i were to go back well my old neighborhood is gentrified now but if i went back to the neighborhood that i left i would probably get fucking killed out there mm-hmm but this goes back to I paid my that, dues. that we come that, from. Matt, no, that goes back to that multi prong approach. You can't leave them behind. You know, Why not? they in the military think, they said they said no man left behind. We we cannot leave them behind because what you do is create you create more. You create resentment. Yes, you do create resentment, but Yan, you know, like I know, when you are on your plight. To be a successful person in America, whether that's black, white, red, Creole, Indian, or purple, not every, we all have the same goals. We want financial freedom. We want generational wealth. We want all of these things. Not everyone has the same aspirations. Not everybody aspires to be the same person. Some people grow up and want to just be in a game. Some people grow up and they rob and say, I'm doing this right now because I got to eat, but I know when I don't have to do this no more, I can't do it no more. So again, you know, they say all the time, you can't take everyone with you. And it's because 
although we have a lot of the same goals, which is a house, a car, and financial stability, we don't have the same aspirations of how we're going to get to that. You know, it's a lot of grimy people out there in this world, in your community, people that you know. And it's just sad because I, I feel where he's coming from when he says that, especially if he's telling you he knows because he's been on the streets with them, moving with them. They don't care about the citizen making an honest statement. So for me, it's kind of confusing I when it's just like, how how could you handle that resentment when you know not everybody is doing what you're doing to make it out? All right, Sherry, Cherry, because I know y'all want to jump in Because y'all ain't saying nothing in a long time. Come on, come Hold on. I know y'all want to jump in on this one. I think what we have to be very mindful of is saying about leaving people behind, but I think mm-hmm. y'all missed the point. Y'all left them behind, and this is the result. See, that's what and I said. Y'all don't, that's you didn't realize it. You got to realize the generation that you're speaking of, that younger generation, you already left them. You, Dan, you already left them. You left them behind. And this is the consequence of leaving them behind because you were left behind. And when I speak of that is, I think we don't realize, but things, the past affect the present, affect the present, which affects the future. Mm -hmm. This generation for Black people is the grandchildren of the crack epidemic. Mm -hmm. I'm the child of the crack epidemic. As a child of a crackhead, I can say this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a child of her. If I had had a child, I wouldn't know how to raise a child, and that child would have been another child, another product. Mm-hmm. And I had a child early. Mm-hmm. And there are people who follow that pattern. There was the children of the drug epidemic who they 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 had they had one foot in the line and one foot out. Mm-hmm. That's your children. That's your people born in your seventies. The that eighty group, late, late seventies, them late seventies, 80s. Mm-hmm. But what we have to realize is we are dealing with the results of what happened. Okay. So how it happened is just is, is important. But the most important thing is what do we do now that it has happened? Because the thing is, we're going to keep talking about the problems, but what are the solutions? So the, so the problem is we have grandchildren. You have children. You have people who have values, who got on drugs. They raised some children or they lost those children. Those children didn't had less values than the ones before them. And then now you have children who have no values. So now you think, you wonder why a six-year-old can kill someone and have no remorse because he wasn't taught to have remorse. Mm-hmm. He wasn't taught empathy. He wasn't taught sympathy. He wasn't taught love. He wasn't taught those, the, he wasn't taught the basis of, of even, even things about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when you have those generation and you look at yourself and you say, man, how do these 20 year olds, 17 year olds, 18 year olds just ride around just shooting each other and killing each other over the block that none of them own because they don't know anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. And then we continue as a society to say, I'm going to distance myself. That distance is not going to help the problem. That distance is just going to further compound the issue. Mm-hmm. And so I let me tell you something. I tell people all the time. So me and my sister grew up. But people who may not know, we grew up in foster care. Mm-hmm. And so for many years, we ran from it. You know, 12 years of foster care. I wasn't doing no another one. And so <laughs> when we became adults, we were over being in foster care. Mm-hmm. We were over being the foster kids. And so people who knew us knew, but it wasn't something we spoke about. And so this year, we actually decided to give back to a chapter of our life that was fundamental. And it has been one of the most rewarding and refreshing experiences of our life. So mm-hmm. regardless of how traumatizing, well, first of all, you got to heal your trauma before you try to take on issues with people. I always tell people that therapy works. And so you have to address your own trauma, your own issues, because you can't pour from an empty cup, but you have mm-hmm. to pour from the cup. When we talk about Black people, we talk about Black on Black crime. 
we can't continue to run from it. We can't continue mm-hmm. to get our education and then we move on and then we just worry about our family. And then we have podcasts where we talk about the black people who we left behind. And then we wonder no why they, you know, then we wonder why people are looting and rioting. And if it truly works or if it works better to advocate to me, I believe every little piece of the pie is necessary because every ingredient that you put in the pie, it makes the pie. And that's any recipe. It takes a little bit of something. And so mm-hmm. everybody is like you said, everybody's going to have something different that they're going to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. But one of the most important parts of it is that we have to understand that it takes a village. And mm-hmm. so that's been a theme for me and my sister has been a theme for our give back. So for the kids, it takes a village. And so we realize that we realize we can't distance ourselves from where we came from because what we came from made us. And mm-hmm. so, yes, we may have made some negative choices. Yes, we may have made some negative decisions. Yes, we may have allegedly committed some crimes. But whatever that is, it all, all of it put together made us who we are today. And so because of that, we can reach the next generation. We may not reach everybody. And I will not tell you that you're going to reach everybody. Everybody. But what you have to do is have some realistic expectations and understand that you can reach somebody. And if you change one person's mentality, then that means you change the entire family structure. And I believe that as people, we can't just keep getting our education and then worry about getting shot because Nipsey got shot because he worried about the block. And either you can look at it, the fact that, man, the block um, took Nipsey out or you can realize the fact that Nixon did what he had to do for his block. And so even though he got taken out, but did he truly get taken out because his legacy and his purpose continues even throughout his death? And so we do we focus on possibly being taken out or do we focus on will our purpose blossom beyond us? Do we want what we want to embed in people to last beyond us? Do we want it to be instilled in our children, our children's children, their children, their friends? And so it makes it important to give back to people who may seem that they will take it for granted or they will not understand it. Let's take Dan. Dan, you had your life. You lived it. Okay. I take one young man. Who Damn, I ain't dead. You take one young man. You take one young man who 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 maybe you know in you know you see some purpose in him. He not he he you you know he not on the right track, but you see that he got a potential, right? Mm-hmm. You see he got potential. You work with him, and now he's a better father to his children. And then his children. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then we'll tell you something, you may not be the person who takes back the block, but he may be the, the person you help may be the one who takes everybody with them. And we have to do what we can to affect change within our community. But if you make a little money, buy a piece of property that they're selling that's 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 um that's depleted. Buy some property, rehab that house, put a single mother in that home, or put mm. a single you know, a man in that home, single family, a single family. So no, you know, and, and make it affordable, you know, give them some affordable rent, do things like that. That's what changes the neighborhood. That's what, that's what changes mentalities. And I think when we, we start thinking outside of the box, buy back the block, get some equity, teach some young children about marketing and stocks and bonds or ways in which our counterparts have been able to be successful. Teach Grow generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Well. Teach our people the importance of having something just as simple as life insurance. Buying back the block and buying land and stuff like that, that 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 boat, that ship has sailed. Because when you look at when they started, 
back into let, let's just go back to the 50s, 50s, 60s, 70s. They were buying these single family homes, uh, big lots for twenty, thirty thousand dollars, keeping it in the family for generate. Those houses now are worth four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars. For instance, um, my grandmother, she bought her house in the 70s for thirty thousand dollars. It's worth damn near a million dollars now. Wow. So now it's like my generation and uh, Imani, I'm pretty sure uh, being in D.C., you are familiar with the cost of living up there. Mm-hmm. We didn't stand a, a chance there. I couldn't buy shit. That's why I'm in Louisiana now, because mm-hmm. I couldn't buy shit in uh, D.C. So we were oh, basically pushed out. And I paid fourteen hundred dollars in rent as a college student. I was paying fourteen hundred dollars. And that's cheap in D.C. That's cheap. For some people, I paid them less amount of rent than all my friends. I have friends 22 years old paying $1,800 a month in rent. Oh, I need a Howard is selling our dorms. So we have to go out and rent if you want to stay in school. So a lot of this is systemic is very systemic. They're trying to they're trying to get rid of Howard, like all those surrounding neighborhoods. Uh, What's Howard on Georgia? Mm hmm. So like the the surrounding neighborhoods, that used to be an entirely black neighborhood. Yeah. Detroit, I, all of that, the whole show. Right. Yeah. And but, but, now but, these gentrifiers are coming in and they're slowly like closing in on the university to the point where. At but some guess point, what? You, you're talking about they're trying to get rid of them. Do you know that this pandemic might actually accomplish that? Because mm. think about the fact, you know, even this is a sidebar, but it's relevant. Think about endowments that HBCUs have, as opposed to universities like um, yeah. Harvard mm-hmm. and Yale and Princeton. HBCUs don't have the deep pockets that these other universities have. So, because enrollment is down. And they can't, these students can't be on campus and put their um, dorm money into these colleges. Like I said, this pandemic may do what gentrification couldn't. There are a lot of HBCUs that are not going to survive. That could be the case. So let me, let me just leave with this and we'll get everyone's final thoughts. Like I said, it's been a real dope conversation just to hear different people's points of views. What was the dude's <laughs> name? Uh, the one that paid all the the tuition, the student loans. Oh, it's Robert Smith. Robert, Robert Smith. Smith. Okay, people like him. I need to know where the fuck he is at now. Like mm-hmm. that. That was a huge thing, and a lot of people had problems with the way he did it. Like you could have shut the fuck up and paid it, but now nah, you wanted to make it all about you. Now that's not necessarily what I'm saying, but that's what some people are saying. But where is he at now? He was- where are these people now? These are the people we need to hear from now. Like I'm talking more, more in the lines of social justice. The, that's when a lot of our most affluent um, people in our community tend to be the most quiet. Cause where's Oprah? Look, I was just about to say, where's Oprah? Y'all know she's not commenting. Mm-hmm. Where's Will Smith? Closing thoughts. Sherry All right, and Cherry. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Great conversation. Um, great conversation. I think I think we have to stop being reactive and start being proactive. I'm not saying what's going on now isn't being done right, but if I'm I'm listening to the news in the background and cities are popping off and things are things are being done. For me, 
you know, throughout this whole thing, I said multi-pronged approach. I believe in protests. I believe in marching. I believe, I believe in that because that's the only time that our voices truly get heard. You know, we do go to the ballot box. There is, there is something in that, but angry black, angry black people get heard. That, that's when we get heard. We're, we're not really hurt in today's society. We're not really heard when we take the mic and we say, you know, this hurts us. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, we feel badly about this, but when we march and we protest, we're hurt. So I'm all for that. Cause you know, when we protest, it's a mob and we're thugs and, you know, we're violent, but protest is the foundation that this country was built on. Yes. Hashtag the Boston Tea Party. That was an angry mob. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yes. The American Revolution, that was a protest. That was an angry mob. But it was a bunch of white people. So it was Charlottesville. Um, you know? I would like to say I would like to say that I don't think the pilgrims asked the Indians to politely move. So <laughs> um I'm just saying. So I think that you gotta re- but you also have to realize that you have to so you have to be very strategic in what you do and how you do it. Imani, um, any last thoughts? So um, my final thoughts is I think y'all definitely inform me with some things about just different ways of being proactive and how to be proactive. I definitely do agree that people can march, people can do different things because, of course, the marching is what brings the media, that what brings attention to the movement. Mm -hmm. However, when it comes to actual looting, though, y'all are right. Like people, they do destroy black businesses during this time when a lot of these businesses already aren't getting relief during coronavirus, struggling to get these government relief loans. Mm-hmm. It may be hard for yeah. a lot of people to get these jobs, especially being at Target and a lot of these businesses that's being targeted are essential jobs, which do imply, uh, employ a lot of Black people. A lot of people saying F those jobs and everything else, but I think all of us on this live, if those people who have to pay their rent on the first cannot pay their rent because their job was destroyed, we will not pay their rent. So right. it's just like, I learned that when it comes to these times, we got to just do something, whether it's donating to the funds of the people protesting or whatever, but we just have to always be knowledgeable about what's going on mm-hmm. in our communities, what we can do to help everyone, because the cause is something that is like happening systemic everywhere. Like it lends, whether y'all was talking about the black on black crime, like all of these things are important factors into what lead us to need police, us to need whatever. It's just, I learned the most from y'all today. I really, I'm thankful that I did get on this call because it was refreshing to hear like a lot of the different thoughts, like the different laws and the different things that they may do. I do believe that we really do need to come up with a standard of how we can be arrested. I don't want to know more people kneeing nobody in the back. If you feel like you still have to investigate the crime, put that person in the car until you figure out, talk to the store owner something. But we're not about to stand for people being on the ground, y'all. Like, I feel like that's something that right. needs to be right. Like, we really need to tell them, like, we already know Black people are viewed this way. Y'all feel like this about, about us. But when y'all handling us, when we roam, this is what we want to be done. I don't want to see no yes. more videos of Black people getting carried crazy. You don't have to do all of that. Put me in handcuffs. Put me in the car. Y'all figure it out. If y'all found out the bill was real, I can go home. If it's fake, take me to the jail, drop me off, and go on about y'all day. But this, like, modern-day lynching, how they feel like it is, 
You don't have the right to just abuse me because you're a cop. Right. If I'm right or wrong, your job is to show up and bring some reason to the situation. That's yes, something I really right. think like as people, I don't know how, but I really want to fight for that standard of procedure. Well, well you know, you know why I want to fight for that, y'all? I saw a lot of cops try to use that as an error and say if he would have had his knee on his back, because that's how we train. He had his he had his legs a little bit too close to his neck. He didn't do nothing wrong. He just it was placement. Well, now let's write it in wording that you cannot put your knee in my back or nowhere on my body. Because what if I got a big belly and you smothering me in in um, Minnesota? They they changed the law. And I think in Minneapolis after. um. What is his name? Lord, forgive me. I can't remember. I, I'll I'll put it out there. But they changed the law, which mm-hmm. is why the other three cops, they are likely going to be arrested as well pretty mm-hmm. soon. Because what they did, they changed the law as far as the police officers are concerned. If you see that like what he was doing was wrong, you have an affirmative duty to jump in and stop him. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. And because they didn't, they broke the law. Okay. So, so um, we'll see them. We, we will see them Mm -hmm. in jail pretty Mm -hmm. soon. Now also uh, in wrapping up to, I wanted to share with the listeners. um, I kind of wanted to go back real quick and just clarify when I was talking about leaving the hood and leaving all them niggas behind Mm-hmm. I do. I, I, I 100 percent. I give back. I don't go back. I, I, I don't think I made that clear. I give mm-hmm. back, but don't go back. And I also wanted to share a tweet, too, that that I tweeted and had to delete because of a bunch of typos and stuff. But um, when, when mm-hmm. people are uh, talking about the police, someone made a very good point. You chose a dangerous job, plain and simple. That's the job you chose. If you don't mm-hmm. like it. And basically what I said was you chose a dangerous job. If you're too afraid to go to work, UPS is hiring. However, Mm -hmm. we did not choose to be born into dangerous existences. Exactly. What what is our alternative? We can't go out and file an application. I I, I like to apply to be white. I like to apply to be another race. There's nothing we can do. So anyway, on that note, I really enjoyed hearing from you ladies. And hopefully we can have you back on again in the future except for you and uh you know i never like hearing from you of um, course not it's been another episode of black law and legal lies keep up with the show on social media at black law podcast you can keep up with me on twitter ig at i am dan on drugs yeah you can follow me on twitter at i tell legal lies money i know you got something cherry and cherry mm-hmm. all right tell tell people um, where they can find y'all we are on Facebook at Everybody's Favorite Twins, where we interview people and have discussions about various topics. We'll be starting a YouTube channel soon, too. Stay tuned for it. We call Everybody's Favorite Twins. And we are on Instagram, Everybody's Favorite Twins. All right. My and that's everybody with a podcast. Yes. I'm not really heavy on social media, but I am on Facebook at Imani Wright. All right, now, son. How are you the youngest one, but on the oldest people's social media platform? <laughs> yeah, I got to get on social media. <laughs> Great talking to everybody. Get introed, huh? Thanks, y'all. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, everybody. I love y'all. I love y'all. Bye. I love y'all. I love y'all.